swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control Issues! Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues. Download Control Issues. Subscribe to Control Issues. Rate it. Review it. Five stars. Let's do it. Head on over to Twitter. At my Control Issues is the handle. Or, you know, just my control issues, you know, that ad sign. You, you could be agnostic. And <laughs> and uh, head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod, where we have gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. There's a lot of stuff up now, especially in light of some somewhat new releases that have come recently that we'll talk about a little bit later. But for the time being, AMC, how you living? I am living very well, A-Dub. Oh man, summer is, I was gonna say the summer is almost over, but it's, is hot. It? I know, but it's, <laughs> it's hot as fuck. It's probably the hottest it's been. <laughs> so, I'll say that the summer is just getting started as far as I'm concerned. It was the hottest July on record, I believe. Damn. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, other than that, same old, same old. Don't have much to add here. How, how have you been? Chilling, man. Just taking it one day at a time enjoying this 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 independent life <laughs> you know just yeah having a good time eating good food cooking playing games yeah let's get getting, getting my place together <laughs> yeah, so getting let's my get, money right <laughs> so let's get into them them games because i know you know the past couple of weeks you said you've been focusing on you know upgrading life shit yeah. but you had but you had some time to get back into gaming so let's discuss that a dub what yes. have you been playing yeah so it's very hard to resist the allure of just that that new game smell uh, even if it's digital you, it's still ingrained in your memory that the smell of just that that those fresh pages of that booklet that you no longer get the the, the peeling of the plastic, the sound, the feeling as the case kind of cuts your thumb when you're trying to get in there, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, I left all that behind for digital because I don't need that shit. Uh, but, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of your experience over the past few weeks, I know that you were playing one of the most, you know, loved and appreciated games out there from 2020 and over this past week it got its release on xbox and playstation that game is hades i've been looking at it ever since it was revealed super giant we know they make bastion they made transistor which is one of my favorite games of all time i'm very enamored with their ability to make very nuanced stylized games with just the most evocative art style that I've seen outside of the likes of Blizzard and whoever the developer is behind League of Legends. So 
Super Giant Games, those are always at the top of my list. Hades, it was an early access. It went to Nintendo Switch and eventually made its way over to the PlayStation, pre-ordered it, had it unlock on Thursday night, and I have just been dumping hours into that game over the past three days. And I am glad to say that this morning I had successfully escaped Hades. So, yeah, yeah, man. Put my time in. As you guys know, Roguelike is... Roguelike, Roguelite, my favorite genre of games. It started all the way back with FTL. It's run the gamut from games like Flame in the Flood, uh, Dead Cells, Enter the Gungeon, so on and so forth. Eventually found my way to Returnal. That was immediately one of my, probably my game of the year so far. And now playing Hades. And yeah, Hades far exceeded my expectations. I've seen people gushing about it even people who quote unquote hate roguelikes suddenly you know love hades but we'll get into that later and yeah man it's it 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 was everything that i hoped for and more and even more still as escaping hades is only the beginning of the adventure as you find yourself going back through those loops unlocking more content taking on greater challenges and just you know, trying to get the rest of that story. Top-notch dialogue, excellent performances, rock-solid gameplay, plenty of content, tons of nuance, so much style. It It's truly the total package, well worth every dollar that you could possibly spend on it. There's not enough to say about it. You know, I, I got into it. My knowledge and experience with the genre carried me through a good chunk in my early hours. So I was able to be very successful out the gate and eventually, you know, started to run into the things that were giving me trouble, quickly figured them out, eventually found kind of a a basis of a build that I was going for. So I stuck with the sword the whole time, didn't use any of the other weapons. I tried them out on the skeleton, which was fun. And then I went back to the sword because it was familiar and it, it functioned in a way that my brain was most accustomed to just like get in, swipe, 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 get out, or go in, hit them with the Nova, hit them with the Nova, get back out. <laughs> so yeah, eventually I just I just got all the boons necessary to buff my special attack as much as possible. You know, I got the Daedalus hammers in order to modify it, got the double Novas going, got the, the dash special going. So I'm moving and striking multiple times just with one button, got the Aphrodite blessings going, weakening enemies, got them exploding, weakening other enemies, got Zeus on on the team, hitting them with the lightning, got Poseidon on the team, knocking them back, got Demeter on the team, chilling them. It's it's amazing. It's, I I can't say enough about the game. So AFC, you've said plenty. I absolutely loved it. About eight to 10 hours later, I escaped Hades. I'm looking forward to nicking and scratching at that whenever I have the itch to just play something, you know, fast paced without much of a time commitment involved. Yeah, man. Hades, seal of approval from a dub, seal of approval for control issues, the, the most coveted award that any video game can ever aspire to. So, two thumbs up. Exactly. A lot, of game, a lot of games only get the one. From from either of us because you know we we play a lot of the same games but then we also play a lot of different games. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like that. Like Ghost of Tsushima, I think was the last one that we both played. Yes, and we and both played also, that right around the same time too. It also got the control issues seal of approval, mm-hmm. the, the double stamp, the, the seal yeah, of game approval. Of, I, think, I believe game of the year from from control issues last year. I think the seal of approval should just be like, like blood stained thumbprints from each of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with drips and like it drips down and it says control issues <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you, put, you put blood on like the piece of paper and then you stamp it because <laughs> yeah. um, that's from that's from our thumbs being worn raw from just putting in those hours yeah yeah, I uh, I totally agree. I mean, you are you guys already heard my opinions on Hades, um, but AMC, what, <laughs> what have you been playing? I want to I want to discuss Hades a little bit because right. now I now just had to get the question out. I thought you were going to go over it. No, 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 yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because Hades is it's one of those games. It's incredible, and um, we we know everything that's that's dope about it. They figured out a way to just find a game where every run felt even more unique than just you know just having what's key to the genre which is randomization they found a way to just add new content within each run that would just give you something completely different mm-hmm. but um i figured now that especially you since you have knowledge on the subject having played this having played returnal and you know hades has become somewhat of a battleground for people who are dismissive of roguelike genre in general and then they lumped that in with Returnal, uh, basically saying that every other game is not good, but Hades is 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 incredible. And now, having played both of them, uh, speak on that a little bit uh, as far as like your opinion. Did it waver it at all? Your thoughts about Returnal? What are, What are your thoughts now about the criticism of Returnal in light of playing Hades? Um, what are your thoughts on all that? It it reaffirmed my suspicions that. Number one, both games are built on the same exact structure. I mean, we've gone over the we gone over this in detail in the pre-show, but with roguelikes and roguelites, it's one of the only genres there is where the actual design of the game is rigidly defined. You can do whatever you want, but it has to apply to this rigid design. There has to be procedural generation. You have to start at the beginning. You have to lose some kind of progress. Like you, you, there has to be some kind of permadeath. When you get into the roguelike light area, there's some permanent upgrades you can have, but never anything substantial enough to where it's what you're leaning on to complete the game. And yeah, they're the same in that respect, but when having played both of them extensively, you see the difference. Hades is by and large more stereotypical straight up roguelite roguelite i'm getting my t's and my k's mixed up but (laughs) it's it's that experience and hades is very similar in its approach to dead cells dead cells being 2d but at the same token it's like you go in you get your currency you die you come back you unlock stuff and you go back in you, you have your different starting weapons like we're what Hades does differently than other games, like say, you know, Curse of the Dead Gods, which is classified as a poor man's Hades, is that Hades has specific weapons, whereas in Curse of the Dead Gods, there are specific weapon classes, 
but there are different weapons within that class and you find leveled up versions of them as you go along. With a game like Returnal, there are all kinds of different weapons and they level up as you go along, but they're leveling up alongside your character. So it's not like you're looking for, uh, you're not necessarily looking for a higher level version of, of, a, of a weapon that you have. It's just that at some point you will find a higher level version of it. Uh, Returnal is more in line with a game like Risk of Rain 2, where it's it's third person, it's a fast-paced shooter, and it's it's more about you finding things that increase your survivability as well as your ability to output damage. And you know, it you could pick whatever weapon you want, but it's not like it's not like any of the upgrades are specifically tailored toward a particular weapon. It's just tailored toward you do more damage, you take less damage, you you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. You move a little faster. Those kind of things. With Hades, it's like okay, you have your attack, you have your special, you have your cast, all these boons are going to contribute to and modify those three different attacks. So you're, you're building your character that way. You're building yourself around your weapon. You're also building yourself around your preferred means of attacking those enemies. So it's like, it's the, the thing that shocked me most with the Returnal versus Hades debate is that People swear up and down that Returnal is too difficult, and that's even exact. That's exaggerated even further because it doesn't have a save feature. Where, despite being shorter in length, I can say with one hundred percent certainty that Hades is easily the more difficult game. It's much faster pace, and because it's a game where you have swords and shields and you know, the only range weapon are, are your cast and the bow and arrow. But by and large, you, you, get, a, you, get, a, you get a later ranged weapon, but yeah, oh, keep going. I, yeah, I haven't unlocked all the way. Yeah, so. yeah. Vinny Dell got a little more experience than you, boy. So, yeah, but it, by and large, it's not a game about you shooting enemies. It's not a shooter. Whereas Returnal, it's it's built on the roguelike roguelite structure. However, it's still a third person shooter. It's still an arcade bullet hell shooter. So if you excel at those kind of games, you'll be just fine in return. You have nothing to worry about. And then the whole save thing, we've covered that ad nauseum at this point, but it's like, yes, there's no, there's no traditional save where you leave off in the middle of the biome and you're going to come back to your game and be right where you left off. However, any level that you gain access to, you can get right back to in a matter of minutes and you get your proficiency boost at the beginning that gives you exactly the proficiency you need. And like another thing, I, I, I hate to go off into the woods about it, but just with Returnal and how people complain about losing everything, at the midpoint of the game, you basically start all over and you lose everything anyway. So it's like everything that you did between act one and act three gets lost anyway, just in the normal progression of the game, because you start from scratch and your new like base weapon level is 15. However, that's a whole nother deal. Ultimately, they're both excellent examples of what the roguelike experience can be. They are also excellent examples of what both of the respective developers are capable of, which is quite a lot. So 
both of these developers need to be applauded endlessly for what they were able to accomplish. Hades deserves all of the praise and awards it has received, whether or not you know anyone agrees with anything or not. It got those awards, it earned them. And yeah, I'm not gonna tell anybody they're wrong about the game, even if I may feel differently. It's easily one of my favorite games. Wouldn't necessarily say game of the year 2020, you know, e- even in retrospect, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and be like, you know what, we picked Ghost of Tsushima, but having played Hades, I think Hades was the better game. I, I don't think Hades was the better game. But Hades, still outstanding. It elevates the medium in a similar manner that The Witcher 3 elevated open world games in that the writing and the performances, as well as just the overall polish of the product, did so much to bring all of the elements together into this refined, cohesive unit that makes the whole experience greater than the sum of its parts. The only difference between Hades and The Witcher 3 is that Hades has rock solid gameplay as well. Sorry, CD Projekt Red, but The Witcher 3, the combat was a little boring for me. Uh, Returnal, rock solid arcade shooting, fast paced, but it's shooting. It's the, like the difference between Hades and Returnal to me is similar to the difference between Elder Scrolls and Fallout, where I greatly enjoy both franchises. I've never beaten an Elder Scrolls. I've beaten multiple Fallouts. Fallout is significantly easier to me because its primary means of combat is ranged combat. You can stay away from the enemy. You can hide behind things. You can maneuver. You can use distance to your advantage with a game like elder scrolls and you know juxtaposed with the hades you have to get close to the enemies you have to be exposed to their attacks so you have to build yourself up in a way that's going to allow you to withstand damage and deal it out faster than you're taking it with those kind of games it's you're exposing yourself to more risk and there's more trouble which is it, it just makes this whole hades returnal discussion so mystifying for me because Hades is the more difficult game and Returnal isn't as difficult as people make it out to be. It's, but for some reason, it's just getting this bad rap all over the internet that it doesn't deserve. It, 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 it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because uh, as you're saying that, it's like, I'm noticing just like one, just different play styles. Cause like when I played Elder Scrolls, I did purely as a mage. So I was like fully like, uh, I was just casting spells, keeping my distance the entire time. So, so yeah, yeah. So it is, it is funny. Like you can play two games and have a completely different experience, but yeah, like what you were saying, like, so I didn't play Returnal, but when I heard people talk about it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where, so people talk about difficulty, but I would say like, it's more about pacing. If anything that people are, that people should be focusing on and even then I would disagree, but they equate the pacing with difficulty. And that being that when I heard people talk about Returnal and like we've, I've said this to you, they, it seems like they got stuck at that first biome and then they're just like, well, fuck this game. This is this first biome's impossible. And now the rest of the game is thus going to be impossible and I'm dying. And I don't like the fact that I'm dying so much on this first biome. And so the game's crap. But then when I, and, but I know from my experience, at least playing with Hades versus like now playing Wizard of Legend, um, I definitely struggled with the first, we'll say, biome, the first area of Wizard of Legend. Whereas in Hades, 
I think I died once on that first boss. And then after that, I pretty much never died again after. Um, and so I know that pacing wise, I kind of pushed through that first area a lot quicker in Hades. And so I think for people, if they don't run into that initial, you know, that initial difficulty, then they're like, oh, well, I'm just cruising along. This game is awesome. Not initial reality check. <laughs> Yeah, without realizing, like, you're going to eventually start dying and yada, yada. But it's, um, it's you know, it's like that, like, putting, and this is a very bad analogy because it's not the case, but, you know, like, putting perfume on shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's um, with Hades, because Hades is also a game, so it's not shit. But lipstick on a pee. <laughs> yeah, but that idea of, because of all that incredible voice acting and presentation and world building, I think it lets, it, it almost... Um, mass all that that i guess that difficulty and dying and multiple runs because 100 yeah because you're building up that codex and you're reading through that stuff you're talking to all these gods you're learning about them and their interactions and their relationships and all that good stuff and so you just forget about the fact that you're like struggling in the game and the thing is like as you said play hades about 10 hours that's 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 a couple runs that's that's a lot of runs and it was 20 yeah yeah and with returnal (laughs) you have you're gonna have a couple run you're gonna have a lot of runs as well it's just uh, 24 (laughs) (laughs) so barely it's just a longer game and so that's like that's right there it's just pointing out slightly more runs but barely even more runs you probably could have even beaten it faster maybe but um the fact that since the game is longer it's a pacing thing and so i think people are looking at that pacing and just saying uh well the game is more difficult it's like no no no, it's just a longer game by the way it's also a more expensive game so they probably intended to give you more content i would also say with hades they might have also looked at it as you know what because this game is all about unlocking content and having more interactions with the the different NPCs in order to learn more about the world and build that world up a little bit more, we're going to get you to beating the game a little bit faster because it's going to require multiple runs in order to, you know, unlock more of the game. And so I think because of that, it's just people are looking at that pacing and determining and, and, and deciding that it's an easier game. But as you're saying, experiencing both games once you got through that first biome returnal wasn't that tough and so you would even just look at it and say you know what hades was actually a tougher game um which is funny now to think about and so yeah i think it's just it's it's a pacing thing in that people just haven't really even discussed that and i I, we've seen it with other games where they'll say like uh unnecessary grind i don't like the pacing Yeah, 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 yeah i don't like this and it's i think it's just people are doing this thing where it's like you're not valuing my time but if they were to just get past that and just focus on the gameplay and having a good time playing the game you would forget about all those little unnecessary gripes that you're putting towards returnal or any other roguelike that you say pales in comparison to hades because like just having played like you know a few roguelikes myself i've enjoyed every single one of them and like i would say like yeah like wizard of legend isn't like as great as hades but i am absolutely loving hades and wizard of legend i believe was like sitting around like a 70 on metacritic so by all accounts like some people would be like oh if any game is below an eight it's a bad game it's like no this game is fucking incredible Mm -hmm. um but yeah they just i think people don't like the genre 
And so they find the one that does well. And then they say, well, because this game is great, I, I am going to say that I like roguelikes. It's just that I don't like any other roguelike. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. You just found the one that like, you know, like there's always like that rapper, like Eminem or somebody who can kind of break through and kind of appeal to people who don't necessarily listen to rap music. And you can get the into, what did you say? The dude who can get you to listen. Yeah, exactly. Like some people here, people were listening to Dr. Dre and Snoop forever. And just like, oh, I don't like all that cussing, all that degrading of women. And then Eminem comes along talking about killing his mom and degrading women and doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like, yeah, but, it, but it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then yeah, we but could, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's like we could get into like some of the questionable stuff with that. It's like, well, is it because he's a white rapper? Like, and things along those lines. But like, with yeah, with Hades. And I guess the connection is because his voice is deep and intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess that's, that is in its own self. It's, and, you know, I'm going to walk delicately over this, but there is somewhat, somewhat the tyranny of accessibility with like, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, this is just more accessible. And it's like, well, let's get into that. Why is it, why is it more accessible in your eyes? Well, with Returnal, well, with Hades, it has like I can I can save, and it's like, but the runs aren't that long. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so is it really like is that really a part of it? And it's like, well, the game's not as hard, and it's like, well, no, d- like as far as I know, it's actually harder than other roguelikes. I so would say it. that it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether whether or not it is objectively harder. Yeah. It, that comes down because they're they're two very different combat systems mm-hmm. for me just in general games where i have to get up close to enemies it are more difficult because it's much easier to make mistakes and get hit whereas games where i don't have to get close to enemies are way easier my aim is tight and if i can see your attacks coming i know exactly how to move i can get behind something, I can jump, I can dash. Return, you can dash through attacks. Like, come on. (laughs) There's so much you can do with Returnal to mitigate or avoid damage that it doesn't make any sense. Like I said, it's after the first boss, I beat all the remaining bosses on my first encounters, just off shooter instincts. Like, okay, this is coming, run, run, run. There's a hole, jump, dash to that, keep shooting him, throw this, keep moving. Oh, that's coming down a straight line, move. Like, it's, you see everything happening. With Hades, you really got to get good at seeing the enemies to give you that frame or two of a windup and like, ah, uh, dash, move, hit, hit, watch the trap, get over here, that's going to explode, move, dash, trap. I'm stuck. Shake, shake, shake. Move. Dash. It's just, it's, it's non-stop, fast-paced, up-close, in-your-face personal combat. And, like, I think, I think you brought up a good point earlier. It's like, people get in a game like Returnal, they play that first level, they, they get their ass kicked, and they can't beat it. Like, oh, this game is too hard. Whereas, with a Hades, they're running through the levels or they run through that first level and then they finally come up on a challenge that they can't get past and they try to work at it. And that that knocks on the door of the discussion around difficulty spikes. In many a conversation, people always bring up, the people tend to bring up the concept of, oh yeah, the game is great, but it just has these 
it has these sharp difficulty spikes. It's like, does it have difficulty spikes or have you, are you supposed to have learned certain things about the game up to that point and it throws a gatekeeper at you? So like what's really happening here in Returnal, the gatekeeper is the first boss. If you can beat the first level, then you understand enough about the game and its mechanics to be able to handle anything else that it could possibly throw at you. And that's when it starts throwing weird little things at you <laughs> that you get to adjust to this. And it's awesome the way that game opens up with, with Hades, like it's throwing a lot at you, but it's, gradually increasing like the further you go then you start getting the armored enemies and then you get a mini boss and then you get the real boss and then you get a little further and you got the easy enemies over again but in a new area and they're kind of different and then you get the armored enemies and then the main boss and then the big boss and then you get sent back to go and, oh wait a minute now there's a different boss <laughs> that, that's what i liked when they started throwing the multiple furies at you mm -hmm. uh, it's like oh it's I fully expected Meg, and I was like, wait, there's a different boss now? Like, what's going on here? And then the, the Hydra changing its look in yeah. Zagreus' comments. Yeah. I was like, oh, changing its look, changing its attacks. Like. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a long and nuanced conversation that needs to be had about what exactly is going on with people and why they keep blaming the games for their shortcomings while also expecting the games to come down to their level instead of them ever having to take the time to learn how to play these games and rise up to their level. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, like um, that was, that was like kind of like the place I got to was like this idea of, cause I like the, like in theory, I like the, I like, obviously I like the idea of accessibility, like more people should be able to play video games. But then once you, kind of cross over into an area where every game has to check these boxes or it's not good like the idea of like is hades accessible because it has a story and so does that mean like every other roguelike now has to have a story and have world building and all that stuff it's like no that's not necessary for the genre but yeah. for some people it makes that game more accessible and it's like that's fine so you can say you like hades because of that but it doesn't necessarily mean that you like roguelikes it just it did something that what made the game more approachable for you and that's fine that's yeah, fine. just just seeing how people responded to hades and juxtaposed with how they're responding to returnal i 100 percent believe that it's the story and the characters that made hades far more accessible than a game like Returnal is. And while I don't believe that every game in the genre needs to do the things that Hades does in order to get people, you know, more, more warm to different games other than Hades, I do think that more games would benefit just by putting in that kind of effort to make the roguelike experience richer and more, more engaging for roguelike fans as it is, let alone people who want to come into the genre. So yeah, there's, there's definitely value there in Hades being the standard bearer for how to put together the complete modern roguelike package. But I, I don't think that every game now has to be Hades. <laughs> yeah. And like, what's sad too, is like, when you talk about like, Oh, like there's no creativity, it's like almost a given now. Like I'd have to go through all the games, but it's like, if you do anything that's based in like Greek mythology, it's going to do well. <laughs> God of War. 
Yeah. Well, like, uh, there was. I think no, there was that game like the Argonauts. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. To... That's why I said I'd have to like go through all of it. But it's just funny, like how like people know Greek mythology. They see Zeus. They yeah. see Ares, and they're like, "Oh, I love this." <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like it's as simple as that. It's like. I think like Assassin's Creed did some like stuff within the Greek mythology and people were like, Oh, I love Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Greece or whatever. Like <laughs> it's, it's, huh. it's like it's just funny how that like works out. God of War is like, oh I love it. It's like and then Hades, oh I love it. Like <laughs> And then Assassin's Creed came back with the Egyptian mythology. Yeah. And, and that then, went over well because it, you learn about that in high school. <laughs> yeah. And then like you put out Returnal and people are like, oh, it's a granny game. And it's like, why? Because yeah. it's because it's a female <laughs> and she's older. Because like, it's a completely original idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, you want us to just do another Greek mythology game? Okay, I can do that. I could slap that on. <laughs> you want to do another on. Assassin's Creed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But and I guess like, even even going to that extreme, like <laughs> Like you say, with the originality and creativity, people say up and down, all these games are the same. Sony only knows how to make one kind of game. All, all open world games are just Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Ubi filler. And then something different comes along. A whole new genre comes in, not new, but uh, an old genre returns to prominence in an industry that basically forgotten or didn't even know about it or at least an audience that didn't. And it's like, uh, why is it like this? It, it needs to have these things. And this, um, other games do it this way. It's like, well, this is different. This is original. This is fresh. Like, uh-huh. learn, learn how to work within this box and you'll find infinite reward, <laughs> infinite replayability. Just, just the most, the most dynamic and skill-based experience that you could ever ask for, even beyond a character action game where you're pulling off memorized combos. Like this is something that's throwing random challenges at you in random maps with random groups of enemies and just and random buffs that you're trying to build success with these random pieces coming. Like it's, imagine if Tetris was <laughs> was an action game. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the best way to describe it. It's just like pieces are falling from the sky, but at the same token, as you're laying pieces down, you're increasing the amount of stuff that you have to sort out before things really start coming together successfully. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. It's kind of like that. Like Tetris is a roguelike. <laughs> oh, it's straight up. You start from scratch every time. You you get. You get like a new scenario toss at you. You're all, as I say, what, what's great about roguelikes is you're always problem solving because you never know what to expect. All you have is what skills you have on you in that moment and you have to make the most out of it. And there's so no I, save feature. Yeah, there's no save feature. You can't, you, yeah, you can't just save and then restart that dungeon every time until you perfect it. <laughs> Permadeath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have just one save file and then like you can just constantly go back to that well every time you die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, motherfuckers. But I guess I'm disgusting. Yeah, yeah, we could go at length. The The moral of the story is both games are amazing for different reasons, and they are exemplary examples of what roguelikes and roguelites can be. If you can, play both of them, appreciate them for what they are. For By all means, discuss them and their differences, how they compare and contrast, but don't 
don't try to make it seem like one needs to be more like the other. They're both great just the way they are. Yeah, it's like it's funny. It's like two games last year, and it's funny like two games that I played last year happen to be those games that people use to, I guess, tear down another. Being mm-hmm. that like I remember the Last of Us Two came out, people hated on Last of Us Two because of story choices and Neil Druckmann. So it's like, all right, we got to vote for Ghost of Tsushima. And then like, and then now with Returnal, uh, it's like, well, we we got to say Hades is awesome so that we can say Returnal's bad. <laughs> like, and it's like two two games from last year that are competing for Game of the Year used to tear down other games. I like something else you said on the pre-show, and I, I really feel bad if that wasn't shared with the rest of the world. It's like people use their acknowledgement of Hades as a good game to justify their opinion of Returnal as a bad game. Like just because you were right about something doesn't mean you were you were right about something else. Mm-hmm, yeah. Those- <laughs> or what was it? Like you liking this doesn't mean that you disliking something else is correct. Yeah. In life in general, it's like if somebody's into something, I'm always curious because I always want to know why they like it. Because if I can understand why somebody likes something, then I can also come to appreciate it, even from a distance if I don't get into it myself. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like a negative opinion, it's so subjective. And also in a way, it's like I don't I just don't like the idea of dismissing something that somebody put a ton of work into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like if you have a negative opinion, I almost always like just try to ignore it because it's, it's, that's on you and your negative opinion might not be a reason why I would like dislike that game. If, if, if I, odds are I'm actually going to not even care about your negative opinion. And so, yeah, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're, you just understand everything else to begin with. <laughs> like if your negative opinion of Returnal is because you don't like the main character, then you have nothing of value to contribute to the discussion and you probably shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but let's get into, we're going we're gonna to skip what I've been playing because uh, I no. felt like that was, a, that was a great enough discussion. What, so, were you, what are you playing? I have been playing Wizard of Legend and- Oh yeah, that's in, right. <laughs> and then I've been putting in some work into Super Mario 3D World. Found, found uh, basically, I think last we discussed, we discovered that there was an entirely another world now so like we're on like world like nine or ten at this point <laughs> before even getting the bowser's fury but it's absolutely awesome but yeah there's not that much new going on there it's just kind of plugging away so let's get into these topics of the week Top- topics of the week uh you not, know a lot, not a lot of topics <laughs> yeah not a lot of topics uh to the point where yeah we're gonna actually you know what let's what should we just lead off with nintendo and their indie showcase, Ada. Yes, we should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. And by the way, for all you people complaining about like $70 games and games that lack originality, you come here to these indie showcases, you'll find some games that you've never played before that are under $70 that are very fun to play. But AMC, <laughs> they look like stuff I could play on Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you get past that, these games are absolutely amazing. By all but, accounts. but but AMC, I'm one of those people who says that gameplay matters more than graphics. Yet when I look at the graphics of these games, I say stupid stuff like I could have played them on Super Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't support those games. And then we don't get more of those games. And then I complain about all the games being the same. And then when that when that developer goes away, I don't notice. But then when PlayStation 
or EA shuts down a developer, I get upset. <laughs> but let's get into it. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to take this away? I just pulled up uh, an article with all the games listed. If you want me to run through it, I also have an article with all the games listed. Do we want to run down everything that was revealed? Do we want to run down our favorites? Nah, yeah, let's let's go through our favorites. So we could do our, our usual where it's like you you do a game, I can do a game until we get to a point where we don't care about anything else. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> we could do like a quick hit for the other stuff that was announced. Yeah, I, I like that. So you want to lead it off? I'll lead it off. I know you're going to want to talk about that one. I'm going to lead off pretty strong, pretty unique. Uh, they announced a far changing tides. So... If you were into the previous game from the series, Far Alone Sales, then you recognize this as a sequel. It looks like it is getting all the time and attention necessary to make it a worthy successor to the Far Alone Sales that came out. I don't even know when it came out, but it was a Nintendo Switch game first, and then eventually it made its way over to PlayStation, which is when I played it. And I got to say, I very much loved it. It was a very simple title. I believe it was mostly black and white, with maybe some splashes of red here and there, but I think the whole thing was black and white. Uh, you were basically just going on this long journey across a desert in a world that's almost devoid of water. And you're you're maintaining your vehicle that you're traveling over the desert with. It may break down. You may need to make upgrades. You know, you may need to stop and explore certain regions in order to figure out how to move an obstruction that's preventing your ship from proceeding. But you do that, you keep going and, you know, you got to manage, you got to manage your, your fuel consumption versus, you know, using the sails to just move with the power of the wind. It, It was a nice, peaceful game. There wasn't, any combat or anything like that. It was just you managing the terrain and the ship. So Far Changing Tides is taking the experience from land and putting it on water. It's coming to the Switch in early 2022. It's very colorized. It looks like the graphics have been significantly improved. Like I said, it's taken to the water, so you're on a big boat. It also, it looks like you're going to be doing a lot more exploration, which is going to be mostly underwater. Your character is going to be swimming. You're going to be plunging into the deep and doing God knows what. Uh, it's described as an atmospheric vehicle adventure. It's set in the same post-apocalyptic universe that was introduced in Far Lone Sales. Uh, you will need to know anything that came before it in order to enjoy this new story so don't feel like you need to go back and play the original however i recommend you go back and play the original it's not that long of a game you'll get through it fairly quick it might end before you want it to but you'll be situated in a position to then go into far changing tides so this is one i'm personally excited for and you know looking forward to when it eventually finds its way over to playstation so i can get that under my belt amc what you got next? Uh, I have a game. You know, let's stick with these games that are nice and peaceful, tranquil, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might butcher this name, but I'm going to go with Toem. Maybe it's Toem. Uh, for, <laughs> for fans of, you know, Pokemon Snap, y- you got another one. And this one actually looks looks awesome, by the way. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. something I would be into, but just love the, uh, the, the 
you know, just the art style, it's in black and white, and it just, it's full of life still. Um, you know, I'm going to just read the IGN breakdown. Toem is billed as a relaxing, wholesome, hand-drawn adventure game where you set off on an expedition through the Scandinavian-inspired countryside. During the journey, players will need to take photos, discover the mystery of titular Toem, and help some interesting characters along the way. Toem will launch on Nintendo Switch later this fall. Yeah, it just, um, it was awesome. Uh, I like, it gave me feels of, um, was it like, kind of like Toad Treasure Tractor um, at that scale, just at a smaller scale. And then um, even, you know, Super Mario, uh, damn, the one on the Switch, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, where you just have like these small crafted worlds and you just go and explore them really quickly until you move on to the next world and yeah this game was all about that like it looked like the area that you're in is not necessarily big but it's full of npcs and you're going through and i guess like your objective you have missions to take pictures you're a photographer and um it's just about ex exploration and that's what made toad treasure tractor an absolutely phenomenal game is like you're just exploring and you're trying to you know just try to uh find and get a different perspective because you're always just trying to hit a different angle to to find something hidden within the world um in order to find like you know in this game the perfect photo the perfect shot and so um it has all those things that i like about those games but then with a completely different art style and because of that it just looks like i mean incredibly uh i'll just say charismatic game a dub if you have anything else on that if not let's move on to the next game Let's have a little bit. I mean, I love the overall look and aesthetic of Tome because it's it, it looks like it's blending kind of Fez, Monument Valley and like a uh, like a, a slathering of Cuphead for the finish. It's, it's a very unique kind of art style. It looks 2D, but it's 3D. And then when you go on the camera, it's first person. So you really see 3D. It, it's it's cute. <laughs> it's it's charming so that's something it's not something that i would go out and get however if somebody was playing it i would totally watch and yeah it just looks fun it looks peaceful it, there's no combat it's a photographic adventure as it's described by its developer it's, so, it's, yeah. not, it's not difficult <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have an easy mode because it doesn't need an easy mode <laughs> So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that does critically, and I'd like to see how people respond to it once it's available. What you got next, A-Dub? I'm going to show you what I got next. <laughs> tell you what I got next. <laughs> tell me what you got. Let me see. Am I going to just go straight to it? I guess I You know what? I'm going to go to Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. <laughs> oh, yes. Talk about that one, Ego. So I have not had any Shovel Knight experience whatsoever because, you know, Shovel Knight, it's, it's largely influenced by Mega Man. It's a 2D side-scroller. In, in general, I'm not too fond of the art style or the art direction of Shovel Knight. I'm not too fond of playing a, a 2D Mega Man at this stage in my gaming career. However, I respect Shovel Knight. People seem to love it. It's done well. And it's done so well that the developer has been able to make a game that completely takes Shovel Knight and just casts it in an entirely different light. So as you can tell by the title, this is more of a dungeon crawler. And it's also 
a puzzle adventure. <laughs> so somehow they've managed to marry dungeon crawling and kind of the puzzle experience that looks reminiscent of Breakout. However, you're you're moving in the tiles and as you're digging and battling enemies and things, the tiles are shifting down and you know collapsing onto each other, and that's how you're going about it. Like I'm gonna have to look at it and really examine more of what's going on. But the breakdown says that it's a falling block puzzle adventure and it looks to give fans of the original Shuffle Knight a new way to enjoy the characters and the world. Part puzzle, part dungeon crawler, uh, features old and familiar bosses, treasure, unique powers, and more. 10 playable heroes. And it's also gonna have Amiibo support. <laughs> so yeah. It, I highly recommend that people check this out if you're a fan of Shovel Knight, if you're a fan of falling puzzle games, if you're a fan of dungeon crawlers, check this out. It looks unique. It looks awesome. If I end up getting access to this at some point, this is going to be the first Shovel Knight experience I ever have, without a doubt. AMC, how did you feel about it? Yeah, it looks absolutely awesome. I have not played any Shovel Knight games. And I what I love about, I love games that can blend two genres and make it work really well and when it seems like uh especially like that dungeon crawling genre is one of those ones at least that dungeon crawling gameplay mechanic is one that is easy to use with like other like it just you know just melds with other like genres very well and it's like you think about what like crypt of the necrodancer or whatever um and just like it has like the dungeon but then it's using this totally different gameplay mechanic on top of it and with this one like i enjoyed uh what was it i want to say cassandra but i forgot the name of the damn game oh uh, um invincible nah nah it was uh oh, what? Nah, it was uh it was this game that it was made by the uh, same people by atlas who the same people who made persona and um I know it's not Cassandra, but anyways, um, it's probably Cassandra. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, I own the game too. But what they did really well is, it was like a puzzle game, but then it had all the uh, the the NPC interactions uh, that you would enjoy from Persona. But then all of a sudden, you enter this dreamscape, and then you're you're basically like kind of doing this Tetris puzzle. Oh, Catherine. Catherine, there you go. <laughs> that's the black one yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's that, that real shit yeah um catherine and you know like it takes these two things and does it, it does this thing really well and you know that that puzzle that puzzle mechanic is always fun in any type of game but then like when you can add it to something else like a puzzle fighter or in this case like a dungeon crawler it just it does it really well and this one it's like it's even more interesting because I didn't fully understand what was going on, but like you see, you're controlling Shovel Knight, and rather than just lining up certain pieces, you're attacking them, and so you're and so you're attacking them in order to line them up, and then to get like you know that that big break or whatever, and then within that, it's like they also implement boss battles, so it's like they're taking this genre that you know has been done to death, but then making it like very fresh, and it's like something like. Tetris 99 did really well and like other games have done. And so with that, like it just has everything that you love about Shovel Knight, but in this completely different style of gameplay. And so, yeah, I, I, it just has my complete curiosity and yeah, I, I hope you get it. Cause I want to hear about it. And it might be something that even like, if I just have like, say that 
free space where I'm just like looking for something to pick up. It's definitely one of those type of games that could definitely fill in that gap. Um, you know, let's get into the next game. That's on you, AMC. Yes, sir. You know, this one, uh, we saw it, I believe it debuted at Summer Games Fest, um, one of like Jeff Keighley's events, but it was right around E3. And so we never gave it its shine because there was just so much to discuss at the time, but they brought it back because it's coming to Nintendo Switch. And that game, A-Dub, is Metal Slug Tactics. Yes. Uh, so let you know, I'm just read down the IGN blurb. Metal Slug Tactics is a fresh take on the classic Metal Slug franchise that adds tactical combat mechanics and roguelike elements, interesting, to the formula. So we got some buzzwords here that I already like. Players will control familiar characters like Marco, Tarma, Fio, and Ari. I thought it was Theo, but it's actually Fio. But this game is all about positioning and striking at the right moment. Metal Slug Tactics will be released on Nintendo Switch in 2022. And here's another thing. So not only did they mention that it has roguelike mechanics, A-Dub, but the second paragraph. We were able to sit down with the developers of Metal Slug Tactics earlier this month to discuss new details about the game and why Into the Breach was a key inspiration. So I know. I read that little blurb and I was like, okay, I already know that this is going to be the one. <laughs> yeah, it's like roguelike and Into the Breach. So it's like, shit, like this game... This game might have a lot more going on than I just saw face value. Like it just had all the uh I love tactics and I loved playing Metal Slug in the arcades. So I was like, that was enough to get me. But knowing that it's gonna have like, you know, insp- like it's gonna be inspired by Into the Breach, I am very curious to see what this game has to offer. So yeah, this is one that um I'm almost guaranteed to play day one. Yeah, uh, do you have fo- anything else that you done? The say folks over it. The folks over at Subset Games, the makers of FTL and Into the Breach are absolute geniuses. So any game that's going to take any kind of inspiration or influence from anything that they've had their hands on is something that I'm keenly interested in. Uh, Metal Slug Tactics, it, it looks like the perfect marriage of tactics and Metal Slug. <laughs> it's, got, it's got that art style of what, what AMC classifies as that bounce, where yeah. <laughs> just everything is in constant motion, just breathing. <laughs> All alive. It's amazing. It's awesome. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm very interested in it. I'm not going to go out and get a Switch for it, so hopefully it comes to other consoles. Mm-hmm. But it, it, if it's available to me, I will totally get it. Like, I love playing Metal Slug games. I never got very far. I was never very successful at them. They are notoriously difficult. Uh, and I respect them for that because that pushed me to want to get better at them and make it further because that's what difficulty and challenge is supposed to do. It's supposed to inspire you to go beyond your limits and be greater than you were yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so, but tactics, that's a genre that I excel at. That's a genre that I love. So I imagine that I'm not going to be so easily like deterred or dissuaded from seeing Metal Slug Tactics to completion should I ever be able to get my hands on it. I mean, love the art style. I love the the elements and things that it's introducing. I mean, it, it already looks like there's 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 terrain involved. It looks like there might be some kind of cover involved. Uh, it's going to be high ground. So, yeah, very interested in how that's going to come together. But now let's get into the next title. Let me see. So I was saving this one for a little deeper in the 
show. Yes. yes. Uh, Eastward. So, oh, yes. I don't want to hear about this one, Ado. Yeah, so we, we've seen this before in the past, but it's it's here, man. It's going to be out September 16th. It's going to be a timed exclusive on Nintendo Switch, which they were very upfront and straightforward about. Not going to mystify you or try to confuse you with the, the PR corporate speak, like calling it a console debut <laughs> or anything like that. It's a timed exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so this game was originally revealed back in 2015. It's finally coming out on the Nintendo Switch. It's an action adventure RPG. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world and it's inspired by 90s anime. This is coming from the publisher behind Stardew Valley. You're playing as a miner by the name of John, who discovers a young girl named Sam in a secret underground facility. Uh, seeing some of the chatter on the internet about Eastward, I'm seeing names such as, you know, Chrono Trigger and mm. The Last of Us being thrown around. Uh, mm. It's obviously pixelated, top down, like, you know, it's it's got that that angle to it. it and like I said, it's pixelated, but just highly detailed, very, just very gritty, grimy, realistic looking game. Like it, it's got a lot of nuance, a lot of character to it. If you just watch it in motion for about a minute or two, you'll see exactly what it is I'm talking about. So I highly recommend that if you're not afraid of indie games, if you're not afraid of pixelated graphics, if you like video games that pay homage to anime, to, you know, the classics, then give Eastward a look. Let us know how you feel about it. This is something that I want to get my hands on as soon as humanly possible. You know, it's it, it's hard to describe because there's not a lot of information out about it. You just have to see it to believe it. AMC, how did you feel about Eastward? Oh, man, yeah, it looks absolutely awesome. Um, I would definitely say, like, one, the gameplay looks great, but really what it has me engaged is anything with that, like, I guess that perspective and art style, and then you give me uh, some a lot of story with that, which it seems like this game is full of it. Uh, that's everything I love because it just takes me back to, um, and not saying it looks like this game, but it just takes me back to Final Fantasy VI where, like, when you have, like, that, I don't know, I'm not going to say simplistic, but, you know, it's not that super AAA photorealistic looking characters but then you tell a great story through that i think those are just like that that's my jam and it looks like this game has absolutely all of that the other thing i would say is uh not too many games as you mentioned can have me hooked just based on the soundtrack alone and we were just we were like just watching it just bouncing like just like <laughs> bobbing our heads to the to the soundtrack and so that hard-ass hip-hop snare <laughs> yeah and so it seems like um like taking me to like connecting it to like persona five it's like one of those games where the presentation and production value alone might be enough to just have me play this game and enjoy it but i mean i know the gameplay is there as well but it has everything as far as polish that you would want that um that can just appeal to you and so yeah uh this game knowing that it's gonna be out next month i'm gonna definitely have some choices as far as like what i'm playing <laughs> coming up soon because it's definitely uh i don't want to sit on this game too long and forget about it that's for damn sure you got any more uh yeah let's keep it going um you know, we could hit this one really quick because I know people like the original uh, Axiom Verge 2. 
is available yes. later today. <laughs> so Damn. I guess it's already out by now. The much anticipated follow-up to 2015's Axiom Verge is available now and tells a prequel story that takes place across two expansive 2D maps that players will need to switch between two uh, switch between to pro, 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 I say progress, but progress. I've been watching this like Canadian show, and the guy always says progress, and I'm not sure if that's a Canadian thing or if that's just a him thing. In our Axiom Bridge <laughs> Two review, we said that it is a dual dimensional Metroidvania that's engaging to explore, despite its one dimensional combat and underwhelming boss fights. Damn. Oh. <laughs> uh, IG and Ari just shitting on the game, but um, yeah. Um, <laughs> People love the first Axiom Verge. This one looks like it's that and then some. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, at least from the people who loved the original Axiom Verge, how's this, how this uh, stacks up. Uh, so I don't know if you have anything else, but we can keep it moving, A-Dub. Do I have anything else? I don't think I have anything else. But I, I, well, I mean, honorable mention, got to go to Bomber Cyberfunk, <laughs> which, mm. is, which is obviously a jet set radio spiritual successor in some way or another. <laughs> I mean, even down to the syllables of the title, jet set radio, bomb brush, cyberphone. So you, know, you got to look for these little things. It's awesome art style. Looks like it's got some interesting traversal. You do it a lot of graffiti. AMC, you noted that it reminds you of what Sunset Overdrive looks like. I agree. It just insofar as how you're getting around the world. So this is coming as a timed console exclusive in 2022. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to be playing this game. You're going to be finding new characters, and that's how you're going to you know, broaden your bevy of options for exploring and tagging in this world, bombing, as they call it, as the kids refer to it. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. So that's how you're going to be doing it. It's you know, something funky. It's something fresh. It's something different. Open your horizons up taking all this goodness how do you feel about it amc yeah it looks like a fun game um as you mentioned the traversal looks like it's uh like for, for those types of games uh it looks like it has everything you need uh as far as like just being a fun game to when travel the world with and then knowing that like you're working to be you know the top graffiti artist it's it's something like new and it's not new, but something different than you would see in most games. Because most games like this, you see it and it's like you're just traveling to the next fight, but you, you're fighting that next area, you know, to, to leave your stamp. Um, <laughs> so it has, it has something, you know, just a little different and um, it has a lot of appeal. And so it's awesome. Uh, like at first when I saw it, I thought it was like a sequel to like that breakdancing game. Um, but uh, it's, it, it has, game. Uh, I think it was like Floor Kids or some shit like that. Oh. Um, but yeah. Um, I can't even recall ever hearing that name. Before. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's, it's a fun game, has a lot of character to it. And I, I imagine there are people who are going to just enjoy the shit out of that type of game. But let's get into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Actually, no, let's not get into the next topic of the week because. I think motherfuckers were hating on the showcase, right? Aiden? Oh, motherfuckers was hating. <laughs> People got shit to say. Yeah. It's hot outside, it's robbing season, and it's also trolling season. Mm. <laughs> yes, so we got our troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. So yes, trolls coming sideways at Nintendo. And their indie showcase first troll has this to say 
Wow, what a bummer. Not a single decent game. <laughs> Not a single decent game. I, we only covered the games that we were interested in, and it was still like half a dozen games. <laughs> I think they showcased like a dozen games. That's like a hundred games. <laughs> Next show says, great, more shovelware, SMH. <laughs> Next show says, none of the games interested me. Next show says, very disappointing. Next one says, all of that sounds boring. Glad I skipped it. <laughs> Didn't even watch the showcase. Uh, last troll says, I'm so confused. You can take pictures of black and white buildings, serve coffee to dead people, or have sexual relations with a cat and your sword. I don't understand why people are excited. Is this what getting old is like? <laughs> so making reference to, you know, taking black and white pic- pictures of black and white buildings, that's Toem, uh, serve coffee to dead people. I believe that is... Necro Barista, The Final Pour, a game where you play as a barista serving coffee to people transitioning from the world of the living to the afterlife and, you know, letting them get one last coffee in before they go to their great beyond. Uh, not necessarily a game I'm pers- per- personally interested in. However, it's something new, it's something different, and it's something that's going to inspire something else someday even comes with a very interesting character creator as well as a system where you can create scenes for the game itself so i don't know it's something that some people would be interested in it's a game that maybe you're not interested in but somebody else it might be their jam it might be exactly what they've been waiting for that's what matters that's what we care about here at control issues everybody getting theirs and yeah so having sexual relations with a cat and your sword. <laughs> Definitely referring to Boyfriend Dungeon, where <laughs> you, you go into the dungeon, I guess you're fighting stuff, and then you use your cash to upgrade or, I guess, build stronger relationships with your weapons, which then turn into attractive dudes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're dating your weapons. It brings up whole new spin on the Zanpakuto and the, and the Bankai from Bleach mm-hmm. <laughs> to where you're bringing out your sword so you can date it. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine, imagine sitting across the table from Zangetsu having a pizza. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, for people like this, it's like they showed about a dozen different games, all kinds of different genres, all kinds of different approaches. Metal, Metal Slug Tactics, Eastward, you saw Tom, but you didn't like Tom. They showed Tetris Connect. They showed Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. All kinds of stuff. All you take from it are the things that you find issue with. And yeah, I guess that is what getting old feels like because you completely disregarded all the cool stuff and just went straight for the things that grind your gears. So yeah, you're getting old. You need to find a new hobby. Maybe take up crocheting, needlepoint. <laughs> whatever you gotta do make a quilt put all the game icons you like on it and put that on put that on the internet and see how people feel about your creations yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny it's um as i mentioned it's you come to this place like people are constantly complaining about uh, games are getting more expensive every game is 70 bucks yep. uh the, the games they're not that interesting they're all the same and then they have the showcase and it's 
It's all about these games that are hand basically handcrafted by small teams. They don't have they're not they're not based on microtransactions or any of the things that you you complain that every game apparently has. They're doing they're doing a lot of things right and then you see it and all you can comment on is that it's it's doing things differently. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not doing anything that I like in video games and it's like, well, that's kind of the point of it. It's these these games are giving you something different. They're giving you a different flavor, a little different taste. And also, you're always talking about how you want to support the developers, and you don't want to give to these greedy corporations. It's like, well, here we go. We have indie games for you to jump into and enjoy. And it's like, nah, I want I want these games, these AAA games made by these greedy corporations that have microtransactions. Um, so once again, any type of negativity here, that's that's says everything about you and you just lose your opinion as to why this is the worst generation of gaming. This is the worst time to ever play video games. And then again, same people who will turn right around and tell you, Oh, gameplay matters more than graphics. <laughs> okay. You, you complaining about black and white pictures <laughs> and you're complaining about different and unique gameplay mechanics that aren't being done in the mainstream. Like you said, it's, it's just hilarious how people, turn their nose up at indie games and then turn right around and complain about the homogeneity of triple a games so yeah you know it's 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 like complaining about it's like complaining about vegetables and like being vegan and then turning around and being like oh this cheeseburger is just manufactured bullshit yeah it, it <laughs> it's is like, like you, you don't want to eat nothing yeah. <laughs> but you keep eating junk and yeah, everybody's always complaining it's like oh like every 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 developer has been acquired they're acquiring every developer but this is literally a showcase of a bunch of developers that have not been acquired doing shit on their own and you don't want to support any of them <laughs> you just want to you just want to talk about all the developers that have been picked up by microsoft or sony <laughs> exactly as if they're the only developers, but yeah. and, and just another thing, especially since you bring up Microsoft and Sony, because Microsoft also had their ID at Xbox show not too long ago. Nintendo just did their Indie World show. And people are then piggybacking off this article, this insider information that came out talking about how Sony is the least indie friendly publisher out there. People look at the ID at Xbox show, they look at the Nintendo Indie World show and they're like, see, these these companies are giving indies their time and you know showing their support for the indie development. Sony, Sony doesn't do that. Yet Sony has multiple state of plays where they've let people know in advance, hey, this is gonna be about indie games. And everyone's like, oh, why are they doing this? Why are they wasting time? <laughs> so yeah. it's like Sony does the same exact thing. And for some reason, they don't get credit for it because somebody told you that they're not good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, all y'all trolls, if you couldn't find one game you're interested in in that whole showcase, if you couldn't find one thing to be excited about, you're in the wrong hobby. You're in the wrong, you're on the wrong diet. You're on the AAA diet and it's killing you. Your blood pressure is high. Your, your troll pressure is <laughs> it's out of control. Like your veins are about to explode. You're going to have an aneurysm. You need to go see somebody about that. You need to go play some relaxing, creative 
innovative games coming from these small independently owned teams who have complete control over the development of their products in order to bring their visions to you the way that they envision them. They're giving you the nostalgia with the art styles that at the same token are helping them save on their development budgets that allow them to bring their ideas to maybe one day make something that has the better graphics and the higher level of polish. I mean, like, you, you don't get Returnal without Super Stardust, without Dead Nation, without Alienation, without Next Machina, without Matterfall. You don't get, you don't get Risk of Rain 2 without Risk of Rain 1. Risk of Rain 2, full 3D. Risk of Rain 1, 2D size for pixel in. So, you know, there's growth, there's progression. You're, you're being allowed to participate on the ground floor of the journey of these developers from just making their passion projects to eventually being in a position where they can make their passions their project, if that makes sense. So support any development. You want something new, you want something different, support any development. If you don't want something new, something different, keep doing what you're doing, but stop your belly bitching because you can't have it both ways. Get it together. Yes. Let's get into this next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. We got July NPD. Day, 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 day. I'll run through this quickly. We're already at an hour because we had such an amazing discussion about Hades and Return. Such, such an impassioned rebuke of the <laughs> circulating on the internet. So yeah, I'll quickly run through this. Number one, A-Dub. This is a new game. A new old game, I will say. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Oh, that... that, that 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 we that we Zelda that that worst of the Zeldas the apparently. worst one <laughs> about to say yes but everybody went out and bought it apparently yeah uh, number Retrospect two respect is a motherfucker yeah exactly so we'll see if this one holds up in light of uh, you know everything that's going on uh, number two Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War number three this is another new one a dub because this franchise can't lose. Number three, Monster Hunter Stories 2. I knew it was Monster Hunter. Yeah. (laughs) Can't lose. Wings of Ruin. Man, that that next Monster Hunter world on PlayStation, I don't know when when that's coming out. On another level. I mean, hopefully it'll be, uh, I mean, ideally it'll be PlayStation 5 exclusive so that they can really just take advantage of the hardware, but that game is going to be out of control. It's going to be a Monster Yeah. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll probably be there on day one. I took a risk on Monster Hunter World, and I was copiously rewarded for for my daring. So, Capcom, you got a blank check with me when it comes to Monster Hunter. Just give me something on PS Five. I'll be there for you. Number four, because it continues to sell Mario Kart Eight. Yeah. No, number five, Minecraft, because it'll always sell. Number six, Mario Golf Super Rush. Uh, let's see. Seven, MLB The Show 21. We got some details on that later. Eight, Marvel Spider-Man Miles mm-hmm. Morales. Nine, because you know you can't, you can't get enough Call of Duty. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. Ten, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And we'll just start running through the rest of these. Eleven, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Still. Animal Crossing New Horizon. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, Super Mario 3D World, 
Mortal Kombat 11. That game just will never stop selling it. <laughs> well, it will stop getting new content because yeah. NetherRealm has moved on to their next project. They're like, we got to stop. We got to stop. You guys keep buying it, but we got to stop. Uh, we got another new one. I actually know nothing about this game. Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. Yeah. I uh, like the art style, so we'll see. People seem to be somewhat excited about it. Okay. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Pokemon Sword and Shield, mm-hmm. uh, Resident Evil Village, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, this is a quick note. MLB The Show 21 surpassed Resident Evil Village to become the second best-selling game of 2021. Year-to-date sales of MLB The Show 21 are the highest in franchise history. So looks like even with Game Pass, MLB The Show is still moving units. That's um, good. Possibly because of the fact that it's multi-platform, so people are still buying it regardless on Xbox as well as on PlayStation. Uh, the top 10 selling best-selling games of the year so far, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, as mentioned, number two, MLB The Show 21, three, Resident Evil Village, four, Super Mario 3D World, five, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, six, Monster Hunter Rise, 7, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, 8, Minecraft, 9, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and 10, Animal Crossing New Horizons. And a note for hardware, PlayStation 5 was the top seller in total dollar sales in the U.S. for July. Though Nintendo Switch sold more units, the Switch is the best-selling console of 2021 so far based on unit sales and dollar sales. So a little bit of fluctuation there because I believe last month, xbox was the number one um in sales so playstation moving i know you had mentioned the previous week that sony uh you know they secured a deal to get those chips so now they can kick up their production so um i imagine maybe we'll see more playstation units moving and sony just getting a better footing as far as the best-selling console uh from from month to month moving forward Mm -hmm something to keep an eye on um and let's move into the next topic of the week topic of the week uh do you have anything before i just go into capcom numbers a anything for capcom numbers uh just circling back to the the nintendo indie showcase uh, they also showed off slime richer portable edition <laughs> the curious <laughs> expedition uh, games like 100 Days, Winemaking Simulator, Gang Beast, Astroneer, Lumberjack 2020. We talked about Necro Barista. You mentioned Axiom Verge. I, I briefly mentioned Tetris Connected. Uh, they showed off Loop Hero again. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff that was showcased, you know, cooler than people would have you believe. So, Give stuff a chance. Uh, don't forget about Garden Story. That's that's available the day of the show. Uh, Islanders, where you, you build islands. <laughs> you build the civilization from scratch. Yeah, Loop Hero like, kind of caught my eye because that was just it's, it's something different. And I, like you, even when you described it, I was still like, what? Like it's looping, but it's also a card game. Like, yeah, like, it doesn't make total sense to me, but it's, it's also something that caught my eye the, the day it was revealed. And I just... I can't, I can't dismiss it. There's something about it that I want to experience for myself. So I'm hearing good things about it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that does. I mean, people are, people seem to be into it, and it doesn't because of the kind of game it is, as well as how there wasn't 
much of a big marketing deal made about it. The wrong kind of people aren't participating in the discussion. So really getting some constructive opinions and, you know, seeing what the game is really about. All right. Well, let's get into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. So, yeah, you know, with earnings, there are a lot of, um, you know, companies, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of you know, dick, dick swinging, they bragging <laughs> about how we're doing. So Capcom released, uh, you know, some of their numbers. And so this one is actually a breakdown of um, just multiple franchises and how they've done. Uh, so I just wanted to run through a couple of these. Um, if you had to guess, what do you think is their uh, number one franchise, Ado? Monster Hunter. Mm, it's... Number two, so number one. Resident Evil. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But keep in mind, it also they they actually mentioned the number of titles for each franchise, and so it's like there's like almost like no comparison. So Resident Evil, let me see, let me find Monster Hunter. Resident Evil has 146 titles. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know if that's like multiple iterations. I'm not sure how that works, but unit sales they're at 117 million. Uh, Monster that Hunter makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, Monster Hunter. It says number of titles fifty, and they're at seventy-five uh, million units moved for the entire franchise. Most uh, of those being Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter Stories. Yeah, it's like stories. You know, we got we got what Rise, Rise right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of Monster Hunters uh, over the years. Street Fighter, um, ninety-three titles. Once again, I don't know. Maybe it's like that. I believe because there's at least eighty-seven Street Fighter twos. Yeah, there's like eight Alpha Alpha Fighter four. Like I don't know. And then uh, you just think about it as like um, I imagine. I, I'm guessing they include if it's just released on like like you know on a new console. So like Street Fighter on SNES, and then they do Street Fighter two on PlayStation or something along those lines. So maybe they're just counting every version of Street Fighter that's ever been made. Um, <laughs> only because this is like a funny one because people always talk about how much they love dragon's dogma uh they're at five million <laughs> i'm surprised that they haven't brought back dragon's dogma because people just talk about it as like the only game ever made that's good it's oh, like, it, it desperately needs a sequel yeah <laughs> um yeah that's pretty much all. like i mean there's like uh, uh commando <laughs> there's two titles of commando and that's used moved one million units so Commandos, uh, I believe it's a franchise that's locked on like pretty much the NES. Ace Attorney, um, 30 titles, and they've moved 8 million units. Oh, and Devil May Cry, let's see that. You know, everybody talks about how great Devil May Cry is. 35 titles, and they've moved 24 million units. Um, as far as their platinum titles, so these are individual cons- these are individual games. Um, now, this one you might get. What do you think is their number one uh, game? That they put out Capcom, just Capcom in general. Number one game? Yeah. Monster Hunter World. There we go. Yeah. And that's obvious. Uh, Monster Hunter World has moved 17 million units. Number two behind that, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard with 9.8 million units. God, wait a minute. (laughs) How much did Monster Hunter move? Uh, 17.3 million. So damn near twice. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. What the next biggest game 
I imagine we're going to be, we're going to be seeing a lot more monster hunters moving forward. Um, yeah. Resident evil seven next at 9.8 million, uh, resident evil Two, the specifically the, um, those at the remake, uh, that one moved 8.6 million units. And then what is crazy is how big monster hunter world is a dub number four of all the Capcom games sold of all the years is an expansion of Monster Hunter World, that being Monster Hunter World Iceborne, and 8.2 million units sold. <laughs> uh, number five, Resident Evil 5, 7.9 million. Number six, Resident Evil 6, 7.9 million. Uh, seven, Monster Hunter Rise, and that like just came out, uh, 7.3 million units. Uh, and then number eight, Street Fighter 2, with 6.3 million units. Uh, nine Street Fighter five with 5.8 million units and 10 Resident Evil two with 4.96 million units sold. Um, no, that, that being Resident Evil two, the one that released on PlayStation in 1998. So yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So monster hunter world, just fucking just completely killing it. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say surprise hit, but I guess commercially a uh, surprise successes how well it did um and so yeah I, I can't wait for them to put out another monster hunter world because that that game that game is going to be out of control um the fact that like even like the switch titles are just doing crazy just shows the the power of that franchise um being that like people are always about like oh we want the most powerful version of any game uh the fact that they can put down a, a version that runs only on the switch and uh people are still just rushing to the stores and buy it just shows that that franchise just kills no matter what mm-hmm. uh that's all i got though for today Dub. do you have anything else before we get out of here i'm tapped out my friend all right well do you have any final words before we get out of here you know i, I think we've said plenty <laughs> yeah so that hades returnal discussion i think was everything yeah and that that doesn't even broach the <laughs> the core of the discussion the moral of the story there just play both games if you don't like one that's fine you know you don't have to like everything you don't have to play everything but if you're going to have an opinion at least have something to base that opinion on and just respect games for what they are instead of disrespecting them for not being what you want them to be well this is control issues i am the amc you are control issues Thanks for playing. Suckers. Suckers.